I bring greetings from uh, the nation of Haiti, and it's so good to see you guys, and uh, what a blessing to get to worship with you guys today. Um, uh, first slide will show you my family uh, who couldn't be here with me today. They are in Calgary, Alberta. Uh, don't worry, you're at the right place here uh, because it's a lot colder in Calgary right now. Calgary's messed up, minus 20. Why in the world would a place go to minus 20? I have no idea. But anyway, so it was good to land here yesterday and realize how nice my wife, Mandy, uh, she uh, actually is from around here. She's from Miramichi, New Brunswick, a uh, little maritimer. Uh, so I like the way she's a mountain. I don't know if you guys knew it was different, but it is different. <laughs> so uh, our four kids, uh, oldest to youngest, Isabel, Josiah, Talia, and Shamar. I think about like six or seven years ago, we had like three kids then, and we came here and uh, visit. Uh, so since then, uh, God has blessed us with another one. Now we're with four, and so that's why now I have a lot less hair than I used to. Things do change. It's crazy. So uh, um, uh, hopefully one of these days they'll come and we'll get to visit as, a, as an entire family here with you guys in the future. So we will continue, as you heard, our series uh, this morning uh, with uh, uh, shape. Shape. So next uh, slide shows uh, shape. I think you guys went through the very first few, and today I'll be talking about the E, experience, shape, experience. There's an author by the name of Jim Ron. Next slide shows like Jim Ron actually states this. Life is not just the passing of time. Life is the collection of experiences in their intensity. Life, experiences. So my experiences and your experiences have led you to where you are today. You're not an accident. You're not a fluke. You didn't just happen to be sitting here. You have gone through many, many different phases of experiences. And of course, just like you, like me, our lives are not so different because our differences are through the experience of what we have gone through, of course. Some experience has built us up. Some has completely crumbled us and destroyed us. And for whatever the reason, it's just like now, this morning, I want to zero in to how we can use our experiences, good or bad, tough and ugly, whatever it may be, how we can use our experiences to push us to serve the kingdom. I remember about almost 20 years ago now that I landed on these shores uh, here in Canada. And, and coming from Haiti, Haiti, of course, is the uh, poorest country in the Western world. And I left Haiti. It was excitement back in 2003 to arrive to Canada. And, and of course, just like most immigrants who arrive here, you are faced with many different what we call culture shocks. Because why? We're here for the experience here in Canada. And uh, one, one of the, the first culture shock I remember experiencing is when I landed uh, at the airport in Calgary and somebody picked me up driving me to their house where I was going to be staying in Calgary my first culture shock believe it or not was the smooth roads <laughs> I, I couldn't believe like what this place is too perfect what is going on all I'm waiting for is when it's going to be the next big potholes because Haiti is one pothole after another pothole I don't know if you know what I'm talking about it's crazy 
then of course I got home and uh, to where I was going, just like, yeah, you know what? This is this place is nice, and I'm just in the shower. But in my mind, I'm trying to rush up in the shower because in Haiti we have electricity that goes on and off all the time. It's as if they pay somebody to play with the switch, and the power goes off and on, off and on. So as you're showering, if the power goes off. What happens, just like the pump stops running, water quits flowing. So now, imagine if you're soaping and halfway through, and now you have to call somebody to bring your bucket of water. That's messed up. So when I came here, the power never went out. I'm just like, how come this thing never goes off? What's going on? Shocking, right? But again, the experiences that I came here for just kept on rolling. And I'll never forget, like, um, uh, I was, of course, new to Calgary, and my roommate, a young man from here, Jonathan, and he was in Calgary as well, experiencing the city for one of the very first time. We're just out walking around trying to experience this beautiful city called Calgary. And the first thing I noticed is that Canadians are a little shyer than we are back in Haiti. We talk a lot. Canadians, not so much. And then not only that, but Canadians don't really like to look at people in the eye, especially when they're walking on the road, by the road. So you're walking, you look at them next, and you know they put their heads down. And to me, I was waiting for somebody to say hi, because that's what we say hi to everyone in Haiti. Hello, 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 nonstop. And I'll never forget that day. And I was walking around with my roommate, and we're just exploring the town, and then it just came to a sudden stop. And I just stood there. Something puzzled me. I saw something that I'll never forget. My roommate said, what's going on? I said, did you see what I just saw? He said, what did you see? I said, I don't know. If I'm not mistaken, I think I saw a car drove by and there was a dog sitting in the passenger seat looking out. <laughs> and he looked at me and just like, well, what's wrong with that? I'm thinking like, what? a dog in the passenger seat? What's wrong with that? Okay, I guess this is the new experience, right? Everything's normal. Let's keep going. And then I kept walking. As I said, like, I saw this group of ladies walking by, by a playground. And guess what, guys? This is no joke. I saw these ladies walking, talking to each other. Their kids were in front of them in a leash. <laughs> okay, dog in passenger seats, kids in leashes. This is normal here? All right, this is crazy. And then I kept walking and exploring. This place is new and crazy. And I came to a sudden stop again. I saw a beautiful store with a sign that says drug store. This thing is legal here? Oh my goodness, never could have experienced or imagined how upside down this place was. But the experience that really touched and really changed me so much is that our first semester at Alberta Bible College, the school I went to, they did this experiment. They got all the first-year students, left all our changed clothes at home, all wallets and, and everything at home, and just go only with the clothes on our back. And we were to serve for four days in an inner-city ministry called the Mustard Seed. We're mostly the homeless, we're and everything. So our job was to be there, to look at them in the eyes, eat with them, and learn their stories, and see how we can connect with them. And I remember being there, I wasn't moved by the poverty, because I've seen poverty. I wasn't there because of the brokenness. I came from the land of brokenness. But the thing that really got me there, guys, is the fact that I saw one thing that puzzled and changed me. I saw Canadians helping Canadians, and that transformed my perspective. And at that moment, I remember I said, like, what would it be like if Haitians could rise up and help Haitians? Because for the longest of time, I've always seen foreigners being missionaries helping Haitians. What would it be like if the next generation of helpers would be Haitians helping their own people? 
And that experience led me to a journey to Haiti to uh, start this work that we call Heart for Home. Next slide will show you uh, our main church. It's called Decision Christian Church. Decision Christian Church, we founded this church in 2012, and over the last 10 years, it has grown to three different uh, campuses, to diff three different vibrant churches, and God is doing some great and amazing things in that church. Will you bow with me? Let's pray. Father, this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit can come and convict. Come and move us to action. Come and motivate us. Encourage us. Bring passion into our hearts, God. And Father, I pray that as we talk about experience this morning, that we will be looking at our experiences through a new and different lens, good or bad, that you will be in control and will open our eyes to teach us why and how we can use those experiences to advance your kingdom. Amen. I'm not sure how many world events that you can remember. World events can actually change the way you view life and can also disturb life. One of the most recent one, of course, is uh, COVID-19. Now, who can forget COVID-19? This thing has completely disturbed life in ways that our generation had never, ever experienced before. Actually, somebody said, there's an article I read that says, every 10 years, there seems to be something that comes and truly rattles the world. I mean, who can forget in 2008 when Obama became president of the United States as the first African-American being president? That really sent a shockwave around the world, just like, what? People are glued to what is in the world is happening. Remember what happened eight years later? Of course, Trump became president. A lot of people also just were as shocked. These are world events, as little they may seem, they send shockwave to transform. I'll never forget where I was in 2001. I was in high school, and then uh, everybody was just so shocked. And I walked out, and I'm just like, why is everybody so sad? Did you hear what just happened? What happened? The Twin Towers went down in New York, 911. And for people who's older, they'll remember, uh, people talk about the Great Depression, Pearl Harbor. Uh, uh, you hear a lot of the assassination of JFK. These crises, for some reason, they bring you back to the exact moment where you, where you were when you heard that story. You can remember exactly where you were. These are powerful events that shape lives. There's a young lady in the Bible named Esther, the only second book named by a female. Esther lived in a very difficult time. Things were not sweet at that time when Esther was alive. The worst part, when Esther was really, really young, she lost her mom and her dad, an orphan, orphan girl. Was raised by her uncle Mordecai, who was a devout uh, uh, guy who loved God and everything. So Esther... Being in one of the provinces of, of Susa, that's where she lived, um, she, 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 she was at a time where you have to put it into perspective and context where women had no voice whatsoever. They were not even second class, third class, or whatever class citizen you could even think about. No rights whatsoever. Just so happened there was a king at that time, king named Xerxes, and you probably have heard this story many times, but anyway, I'll go through the story uh, quite quickly. King Xerxes was a, a governor, was, uh, was king over a huge part of territory. 
One day he decided because of his ego, he wanted to show how powerful he is, and he invited all his governors to come to the palace so that they could have a big party. The guy likes to throw parties. But for entertainment, he decided what would he do? He called his queen, his wife Vashti, to come and show herself to the governors. Now, can you imagine this? Now, imagination, just like Vashti, realizing like, king called me to do what? Of course, Queen Vashti decided to disobey the king, which is the unforgivable sin to disrespect the king's order at that time. Queen Vashti said, there's not a chance. I'm not going to go and do what the king wants me to do. So immediately, of course, the king, you can imagine the embarrassment, decided to set Queen Vashti aside. And then all of a sudden, in Esther chapter 2, verse 2 to 4, here's what it says. It says, like, the, the magistrate of the kingdom said, let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem of the citadel of Susa, Esther's province. Let them be placed under the care of Haggai, the king's unit, who is in charge of the women. And let beauty treatment be given to them, and so and so forth. Now imagine now, you at that time, Esther knows her identity as a Jew. She is being chosen without a choice in the matter. All young ladies, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you. You come with me. And they were supposed to go to a place to be ready for the king to make his decision. Now, of course, when you talk about Esther, sometimes it only sounds like it's the beautiful part of the story. These young ladies go and they're hoping to become the next queen. But it wasn't all that pretty. Because here's the thing, in the quest for a new queen, the king actually was dishonoring countless young women, stripping them of their virginity, casting them aside to the rank of concubine, sex slaves without the title or privilege of being king, queen. So imagine Esther in that position, knowing like, I can be next at any time. Because these ladies were placed for a period of 12 months, being pampered, beautified, getting ready for that king to test as properties. That was not an easy thing. The experience was excruciating. This morning, the next slide will say, I don't know what you're going through in here. Maybe your experience might be even worse than Esther's. I don't know. But I just want to remind you that your life experiences are purposeful. Don't waste these experiences. Romans 8.28 is clearly said, it says, And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There is a reason for these things that we go through. We don't understand. My goodness, I can't be here and pretend like I'm holy trying to tell you this is why you're going through what you're going through. But all I can assure you, it is not an accident. 
So Esther found herself in the same position. Life is tough, and all of a sudden, Esther decided just like, you know what? Here I am. I don't know what is going on, and I don't even know for what purpose. But I choose to trust. Someone does. And it was her turn to go. And so right before they go to the king, Haggai asked them, what do you want to take with you? Meaning to just go and try to convince and flatter in front of the king. Esther decided in Esther chapter 2, 17 verse, uh, uh, to 18, she said, listen, I'm just going to go as I am. Just as I am, that's how I'm going to present myself. Whatever happens, happens. Reminds me of King David, little David. David said, listen, I'm a soldier of the Lord. <laughs> I don't need all these extra things. I'm just going to go just as I am as the soldier of the Lord. So Esther showed up. And of course, as you know, the rest of the story, Esther found with dignity and honor. And the king decided, yes, this will be my next queen. Now, all these excruciating experience, still Esther's life is not luxury at the palace. Things are tough. As we said, like, yes, you know what? We'll go back to Haiti. We'll let God use us in Haiti. Don't know why. It's not the most luxury. It's not the luxury life at all. Next slide shows you this year when we were in Haiti, we spent the last 10 months in Haiti. We came back to Canada mid-August. This is what we have witnessed in Haiti this year. The price of inflation in the blue section from May 2022 to October 22 within a short four, five months. This is what the prices look like. A $20 US for 55 pound rice has gone from 20 to $50 in four months. US dollars. I know that's like a million Canadian dollars. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, imagine the price of gasoline. Gasoline went from 250 in May to 52. That's not a typo. 52 dollars US if you want one gallon of gasoline in Haiti right now. It's wild. When we're in Haiti and we heard, oh my goodness, Canadians are screaming. Inflation is going up. Fuel has gone up by a few cents. We said, man, we can't wait to get back to Canada to buy it. <laughs> got tired just like price has skyrocketed and so the people are falling deeper and deeper into the pits of poverty life is rough look at our road condition the next slide shows you our road condition this is the road to enter into our campus where our main church is uh, because of lots of torrential rain since uh, uh, we, the last hurricane we had in 2016 most of the trees have never been replanted so we get flooded all the time our main road hasn't been passable since the month of March of last year create issue after issue going from church coming from church falling into potholes it's a mess this is how I purchase gas. The next slide shows you. If you want to buy gas in Haiti, you will go to some people sitting on the side of the road with a bucket of gasoline, and you say, how many cups of gasoline do you want? Literally, it's that messed up. So that's me buying a gallon of gasoline, pouring in our van to go do some earthquake relief. But still, we find a way, even in the roughest and the toughest situation, to create change and differences. Next slide shows you, this is some of the earthquake relief we were doing because we had a bad earthquake in our community just a year ago. But why do these things happen? I don't understand. Why is life so messed up, so frustrating? I don't understand. But next slide shows us in 2 Corinthians 1, 
verse 9. Here's what it says, guys. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. We don't understand. But Joseph responded after all the chaotic mess that he went through. Genesis 50 verse 20. He says, listen, all these bad experiences intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many people. I don't understand why things are happening, but all I know is that there's somebody who's in control. John 13, 7 says, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later, just trust me, later, you will understand. That's tough. So while Esther found grace to become the next queen, of course, nobody knows what's going to happen, but two major events took place. Number one, somebody was plotting to eradicate, to kill the king. Mordecai found out, told Esther, and Esther went to the king and then folded the plot. She saved the king's life. She didn't know why is my life taking this weird turn, but she saved the king. And not only that, later on, crazy thing happened again. A guy named Haman, who was loaded up with ego, who wanted everybody to bow down to him. But Mordecai said, like, I don't bow in front of everybody, anybody except for God. Haman felt disrespected, created a plan to eradicate all the Jews because Haman would be also dead. Little did he know that also Esther was a Jew. Mordecai found out, told Esther, Go talk to your husband and tell him this is what's about to happen. Now imagine, story is nice, right? Esther now is queen. Things turn out all right, not so much. There's no love in the house at all. She's nothing but a piece of property to fill a function for the king. There's no love. There's no honey. There's no sweetie. There's no hugs. There's no kisses. Matter of fact, Esther told Mordecai, Mordecai, I can't go to my husband. He'll kill me if I just show up without invitation. So Esther said, okay, you know what? I have a plan. Just gather all the Jews and tell them to pray for three days. And then I'll go. Just, just pray for three days. And then I'll go. I don't know why bad things happen, guys. But all I do know, because we decided to heed to the call and go back to crazy place like Haiti. Next slide shows you life. Life is being transformed. We've had so many baptisms this year. Even in a time where life is so rough and difficult, people are coming to the Lord. Churches seem to see massive growth. In a poor place, the church decided, like, let, let, let's do a, a wedding ministry. Wedding ministry is, like, many people in the church are there because uh, uh, um, they, 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 poverty, of course, but they've been living together and never could get married. The next slide shows you. The church decide, what if we buy the wedding dresses, we buy suits, we get rings, and we do a reception? Would you come and get married? Of course, many people just like, yes, I would. And this year in our church alone, we had three group weddings. 
They just show up and says, like, listen, I just want to get married. It creates a, a pride and dignity in them. They feel like, yes. And you should see these guys so cocky. They come, Pastor Rico is my wife. <laughs> They're so excited. Create change. But here's the thing. Next slide shows this. My advice to you this morning is, let us use our experiences to help others. Esther 4.14. Mordecai replied to Esther because Esther was a little scared. Mordecai said, you know what, Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come. God's way will happen. The Jews will rise up from another place. But you and your father's family will all perish. And this is the part I love. And who knows? Who knows? But that you have come to your royal position, have gone through this weird rabbit trail. For what? For such a time as this. I didn't know why my life was so messed up. But who knows? Maybe the messed up was for such a time as this. When I was two years old, my mother passed away. She passed away from, I assume, complication because when she, when she died, my sister was seven days old, meaning she had just given birth and she passed. No clinics or hospital in the area up until today. So, of course, everybody who dies in the area, they don't have anything to blame it on. They say voodoo killed her. So I grew up knowing voodoo killed my mom. And so my dad... Um, tells me, my, he's in his 90s now, he says, Rico, I'll never forget when you were two years old and every day you'd be crying and says, Dad, when is mama coming home in your own baby language word? When is mama coming home? He said it was a tough thing for him. When I turned four years old, two years later, my dad realized like there's no way he could uh, support all of the siblings because my dad had like about 22 kids. I know, I'm a popular guy. But anyway, 22 kids, he realized there's no good future for me in the area, so he gave me and an older brother of mine to an orphanage in Port-au-Prince to a missionary family. Now, my missionary parents, they always say, recall, remember when you came to our boy's home, the orphanage, you cried for seven days straight. There was no way we could comfort you. Why? Maybe two years before, I lost my mom. Two years later, now I lost my dad. And now my wife, whenever there's an issue, my wife looked at me and just my mouth said, no wonder you're so messed up, Rico. And she's right. A traumatic guy like me is so messed up. Grew up in the orphanage. My parents instilled love onto me. They shared the gospel with me. Because of them, I inherited the English language from a Creole to French country. And with that, God created a path and led me out of Haiti to Alberta Bible College here in Canada. And then somehow brought me to the mustard seed, sparked something in my heart, returned back to Haiti. The next slide shows this. This young man in the red shirt is named Sensil. Sensil, we, we met him in an orphanage in 2015. His life was rough, badly run orphanage. He was older than 20 years old. And they wanted him to leave the orphanage. He didn't know where to go. He was still in high school. My heart touched me because I grew up in the orphanage. I understood what he was going through. I said, you know what? You come to Port Salut to our area with us. So we helped him to conclude his high school. 
finished, and then he became a music teacher at the church, the worship leader at the church. This last year in December, he got married to his bride he found in the church. And the next slide shows that uh, last week, um, in the next, uh, he sent me this picture last week. They have their first daughter last week, freshly born. But I remember in the month of July, he came to me and says, Rico, because you listened to the call, I will not have to put my daughter in an orphanage to be raised in the future. I have my family of my own. Then I asked myself the question, why did I have to be raised in an orphanage? Maybe God was using these experiences to shape me to reach out to young people like Sensil. You may have seen the next picture and the next slide. Um, you've seen it perhaps in the National Geographic somewhere. Um, th this, this picture actually was taken by a photographer from Johannesburg, South Africa named Kevin Carter. Kevin Carter became famous for his iconic pictures. He was uh, uh, covering the Great Famine in Sudan uh, back in 1993 when this picture came to scene. It created a lot of controversy. A lot of emotion was sparked everywhere. People felt guilty, frustrated, emotional, because they can't tell what's going on. A vulture waiting to feast on the body of this young, lady, this young girl on her way to a feeding camp. But you know, a few months later, Carter was receiving a lot of awards for his iconic, iconic photography. And they were giving him awards and everything. And, and somebody during the award ceremony stood up and says, Mr. Carter, whatever happened to that young girl? Carter stood there in silent and responded, I don't know. I don't know. And that sent a shockwave. Could imagine the place quiet down. Next slide is a sad letter they found right next to the body of Kevin Carter in the, the month of March of 1994. When he took his life, here's what they read. They said, he said, I'm really sorry, really sorry. The pain of life overrides the joy to the point that joy does not exist. Depressed without phone, money for rent, money for child support, money for debt, money. I am haunted by the vivid memories of killings and corpses and anger and pain, of starving or wounded children, of trigger happy madmen, often police, of killer executioners. I have gone to join Ken if I am that lucky. It's the letter they found right next to his body. Sad, sad ending. Maybe in his experience, when the moment arised, perhaps he looked the other way, took a picture and walked away. Too much for me. I'll leave you with the next slide. And who knows? But you have come, church, to your world position, to where you are today, for such a time as this. Yes, you've gone through hell and back. But it's not an accident. We missionaries, 
whenever we show up to share what God is doing as the worship team makes their way back to stage, one of the things that we do, we, we provide an opportunity for people to think about serving and sharing. At the welcome table in the back, you'll see some postcards like this, and they have our story on it. What we're inviting you to do, get one, put it on your fridge. That will remind you to pray for us continuously. Also, there's QR codes and donate section, how you can donate directly into our ministry to support us in the work that God is doing through us in Haiti. Who knows? Maybe you have come to this position for such a time as this. Will you bow with me?